Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I am plagiarizing so that this doesn't come back on me and I get sued or the media says you took something from somebody else. But my text is Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every, if you can imagine this, every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he'd made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man, beast, creeping thing, fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But God has one obstacle, and it's a man by the name of Noah, because it says, but Noah, one man, found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And this morning I want to preach to you on wash with water, not with wine. Wash with water, not with wine. God bless you. You may be seated. The sin was so grievous to God that he decided, and you have to pay attention because I can't go over every point in great length that he decided he would wash the entire earth. He would open the windows of heaven and it would rain from heaven for 40 days and for 40 nights. He would open up the waters from underneath the ground and all the streams and rivers and bodies of wonder under the earth would also rise up and come over the earth. The magnitude of this rain that he brought for these 40 days and 40 nights would cover all of the earth and the highest of all mountains. This means that everything will die that can't swim. He warns Noah and tells him that because he has found grace with God, that he has a plan of salvation. And in this case, God's plan is that Noah is to build a boat. He gives him the dimensions and all the design and what kind of wood. And he said, now I want you to do two things. I want you to build this ark because judgment is coming. I will flood the earth. And the other thing I want you to do is I want you to preach repentance as the first step in the plan of salvation. Tell the people that I am grieved at their sin, but that if they will repent and they will get in the ark, I will save them. This is their only opportunity. This is the only means of salvation. Do you understand me, Noah? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I understand. So Noah goes to work, and the only people he has helping him to build this humongous ship is his family. But he is confident as he begins his ministry that God wouldn't tell him to build such a big boat just for animals. Surely there's going to be a great revival. Over the time that it takes to build this ark, there will be converts and there will be craftsmen that will come and help him to build this ark. Surely God thought of all of this before he gave the plan and the blueprint to Noah. And so Noah gets out and preaches repentance. He tells them how upset God is with their sin and how he's going to bring judgment, and that if they will help to build this ark and get in this ark at the proper time, that they could be saved from a flood which will destroy everyone. And they laugh him to scorn. They do not participate in the building program. 
They contribute nothing. They critique and they criticize. So it takes Noah a long time because he's only got eight people helping him. But he keeps preaching and he keeps preaching. Years and decades go by. Matter of fact, 12 decades. But one day, 120 years after God spoke to Noah, he tells him to get into the ark. The animals come because they are instructed by God and they, they come in their pairs and they walk up this plank and they get in the ark and finally God says, now Noah, take your family and get in the ark. And Noah gets in and God shuts the door. It doesn't rain immediately, but after some days it begins to rain. And when it rains, it pours. And pretty soon the flood is beginning. And people are pounding and screaming and calling on Noah. But when God shuts the door, the door is sealed. It's too late. The time has passed. Have you ever considered Revelations where it says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And God is expecting us to open the door. How many times have we left the door locked and turned away from his call and refused to accept his invitation? I will come in, he said, and sup with him and he with me. But in this particular occasion, God not only had the door open, but now God had shut the door. They are on this ark for over one year. It's a difficult time. I can imagine, can you imagine the stink in an ark? When all you got is a bunch of animals? Eight people over one year? Doesn't sound too pleasant to me. But he stayed in there. When the ark rested, he did a good thing. He built an altar and he sacrificed and God was pleased with it and gave him a promise that he'd never flood the earth again. But I want to share some important things with you about Noah. I want to ask this question. What happened to Noah while he was in the ark? What happened to him? What was it like for him? I think he got angry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be brutally honest with you and as compassionate as I can be. I don't think it was easy for Noah to be in the ark. I think he had some anger and he had some regrets. I think that he remembered people pounding on the boat for as long as they could. Noah, I'm your neighbor. Our kids played together. Remember me? I'm, I'm sorry for the way I treated you and, and the things I said about you. I'm repenting now, Noah. I confess you were righteous and I was wrong. Please, Noah, can you hear my family struggling? Can you, no, can you not be compassionate toward us? Open the door for us. Let us in. And he yells back, I can't. God shut it and I, I can't open it. Do you think that it's possible that Noah felt like he was a failure? Do you think that maybe he thought 120 years of preaching and I have no converts? Not one. Not even somebody that was converted and backslid. Nobody came. Nobody repented. A lot of good that preaching did, huh, Noah? Every day, get out there and preach. Preach repentance. Why did God put you through that exercise in futility? 
you know what, Noah? Maybe it's your fault that there were no converts. Maybe you preached it too hard. Maybe you didn't preach with enough compassion and, and conviction. Yeah, that's it, Noah. You just weren't a good preacher. That was the problem. And after a while, I think that these things began to wind up in, in Noah's brain. He heard their screams. He heard their pounding. He took a look at his ministry. He saw himself as a failure. He was angry with God for the exercise in futility that he'd been through for 120 years. And he gets off the ark, and there are no couples his age. There are no people alive. It's just him and his family amassed with disappointment. Can I tell you something? As a pastor, and I, I'm not just preaching a pastoral message. I'm preaching a message to the saints. I'm preaching a message to the visitors today. We all go through disappointments and frustrations and questions and anger. I'm, I'm going to bear my soul to you today. I'm going to try and give you everything that God has given me. I can look at a pew. I can look at this row. This row has no people on it. Yet I remember families that sat in row number two. Where are they today? Why aren't they continuing to sit in row number two? I'll tell you why. You're a failure as a pastor. You weren't there when they needed you most. You don't know how to handle conflict. You don't like confrontation. You could have helped them, but you didn't. And you, maybe you'd like to feel like a failure too. Maybe you'd like to accept some responsibility for people that are no longer serving God. an offense that maybe you could have handled differently. An opportunity on a Sunday morning when they were at an altar praying and nobody prayed with them. And God had spoke to you on a specific morning. He told you, don't pray for yourself. Go to the altar. Put your arm around that person. Love them. Pray with them. Encourage them. And you didn't do it. And they're no longer here. Do you accept any responsibility for that? Is any of that your fault that they're not in the kingdom anymore? Can you relate to Noah at all? In his disappointment, his frustrations, and his anger? Even when he came off of the boat, I noticed something. Take a look at... Genesis 9. Well, let me back up. Before we go to 9, let's go to 8. I'm going to switch this a little bit. Genesis 8 and 16. When they were coming off of the ark, listen to the instruction of God to Noah. Noah, it's time. Go forth of the ark. And he gives him a specific order here. You go then your wife, then your sons, and then your sons' wives with thee. Verse 18 says, And Noah went forth, and then his sons, and then his wife, and then his sons' sons with him. The order was not followed. Now, what? You're nitpicking, Pastor. Come on, what, what's the big deal? I'll tell you what the big deal is. The number one, if you're a married man or a married woman, the number one relationship after God is your spouse, not your children. Do not allow your children to be more important to you 
than your spouse. Work the hardest. Somebody needs to write this down. I'm stealing this. I stole this from Brother Tenney. I'm trying to remember plagiarism. He said, work the hardest on the relationships that last the longest. Work the hardest on the relationships that last the longest. Guess what? Your relationship with God is meant to be eternal. Boy, you better work on that one. And you know what's next? Your marriage. My wife and I have been married 46 years. That's older than my son. My daughter. That relationship, that relationship is vitally important. Let me show you why. Here's one example. Now let's go to Genesis 9 and 20. And Noah began to be a husbandman, and he he drank of the wine and was drunken, and he was uncovered within his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. Here's my question. Where is Mrs. Noah? Why is there no mention of Mrs. Noah with Mr. Noah in the tent? They obviously didn't get drunk together. She wasn't there. Maybe you can figure out why. It is not good for a man to be alone. Not good. Maybe if Mrs. Noah would have been in the tent, maybe if they would have talked back and forth. I'm going to tell you something that's vitally important. My number one confidant is right here. Now, I know some of you say, man, he puts an awful lot of emphasis on his wife and talks nice about her all the time. Let me tell you why, because it's true. And, and I want you to follow that example. You should be, if you're married now, I'll get to you that are not married in a minute, okay? If you're married, there should be no secrets, no separate financial accounts. You can look at my phone anytime you want to look at my phone. I'm not worried about you getting in my wallet. Because when we're out, we're out. That's it. That's all. This, we're in, listen, we're in this together. Now, if you don't enter into a marriage that way, you're going to have problems. You're going to end up like Mr. and Mrs. Noah. Because when one of you needs the other, you better pay attention. I can't, now my wife will be able to say amen to this. I, I would never want to embarrass her. Do I ever come to you and say, honey, I just need to talk? Lots of times. You know what she does? She drops what she's doing and says, go ahead and vent. And I vent. And you know what she does? She washes me. And she covers me. And she reminds me of the word of God and the principles that we have been taught because I'm not in my right mind when I'm feeling overwhelmed or when difficulty is closing in on me. Can anybody relate to me? Are you good? Will you be honest with me today? I'm trying to be honest with you. Will you please be honest with me today? Please. Drunken and naked. We all need accountability and authority in our lives. Can I get an amen? One preacher, I heard this at conference. I'm, I'm gathering bits and pieces from all over. But one story was told about a preacher. He had a very close preacher friend. And he called the preacher friend and he said... I know that I can trust you with anything. So I'm going to say something to you 
that could be very damaging to me if it got out, but I need your help. And he said, you can tell me anything and I won't repeat it. And the preacher said, I'm really struggling with lust and with a particular woman in my congregation and I'm afraid as to where this is going. He said, will you pray for me? He said, absolutely. And then the man that had the problem said this, I would appreciate it if you would call me every day at 6 p.m. and check on me. And the reason that he did that was he he thought to himself, when that guy calls me at 6 o'clock, I'm either going to have to confess my sin or lie. So I better have an answer for 6 o'clock. Do you know what happened? It saved that man. That friend called him every day at 6 o'clock until he said, you don't have to call me anymore. I'm over it. It's not a problem. It never happened. Because he washed with water and not with wine. The problems that Noah had He washed with wine. Now we're going to get heavy. You ready? We're going to get heavy now. He washed with wine instead of water. We need to wash with water and not with wine. And before I leave this, let me tell you another thing. When we sin... When Noah got drunk, that wasn't the end of the story. He ended up naked. Nakedness represents embarrassment. Nobody came here today naked. You all dressed and came here. You would be embarrassed if you didn't have any clothes on right now. That would be an embarrassment. Do you remember the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve sinned? What happened? They recognized nakedness in each other and they hid themselves from God. That's what happens when you wash with wine and not water. My problems are so great, Noah said, so insurmountable that I'm just going to go out and get hammered. I'm going to drink myself into a stupor. And the next thing you know, not only is he drunk, he's embarrassed in front of his own family. Because that's the other thing that sin does. It embarrasses you in your family and in society and even in the kingdom of God. Nobody ever starts out thinking, I want to be an alcoholic when I grow up. My goal in life is to be a drug addict. I got married, but I never intended on staying married for life. Nobody talks that way. How does it happen? How does it sneak up on us and get its clutches in us? I'll tell you how. It starts this way. It gives you an introductory offer that you can handle. Now, you're you're probably not going to like me a lot, but I, I don't care. I have to live with Jesus. I just visit you. What's wrong with a beer once in a while? Is there anything wrong with having a beer once in a while? Or a couple beers? Especially if you stay in your own home. I mean, you don't want to go to bars. You might get caught. Somebody might see you. There goes your reputation. Here comes the embarrassment. Of course, then again, if you get caught in a bar with somebody, what are they doing there? So we'll each make a pact and we won't tell on each other. 
So you stay home and you say, what's wrong with having a beer once in a while? A couple beers. What, well, why do you need to do that? Well, I, I'm just going through a rough stage in my life and I want to try the wine instead of the water. Maybe the wine will let me escape all my problems for a few hours. Let's go to Cheers. Troubles are all the same. Everybody knows your name. Let's escape. And you get drunk. Well, I'll never let that happen again. You failed when you took the introductory offer. One beer. Just one. One cigarette. One joint. One snort. That's how it all starts. Yeah, you're not going to, it's not going to happen to you. Oh no, it would never happen to me. It happened to a man, the only man, that found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And you are every bit as suspect as he is. Don't wash in the wine. What's wrong with pornography? Hey, I'm going to hit them all today. I'm not doing any harm to anybody else. This is just me. It's the introductory offer to fornication. And I can't list all the sins of fornication. And the introductory offer to adultery. Just try it. It's just you and you alone. You, you ain't hurting anybody. Wait, wait, time out. Besides even being the introductory offer, let me talk to the saints. Let me talk to the holy men and women of God. You're on the wrong path. You're headed in the wrong direction. I thought that we had a holy guest living inside of us. Are you going to take your holy guest to pornography? Do you think that he will like to sit down next to you and watch what you're watching? Is this not a defilement of the temple of God? I know I'm preaching hard today. Why are you preaching so hard? Because I want you in the ark. I want to see you in heaven. I don't want you to be lost. I don't want you to fall into the same pits and trials that others have. I want you to be victorious. I want you to be the bride of Christ. I want you to be clean. And the only way you can keep yourself clean is to wash with the water and not with the wine. Don't wash with the wine. Let me show you what I'm saying. Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, we like to quote this verse, husbands. Husbands, love your wives. This is powerful. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church. This is what he wants you to be. No spot, no wrinkle, or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. That's a holiness message. But the holiness message had verse 26 in the middle of it. 
And it talked about the washing of water by the word of God. We need to be washed in the blood, but we also need to be washed in the water of the word. The word is meant to cleanse us and to keep us clean. Most of you probably took a shower or a bath in the last 24 hours. If it wasn't last night, it was probably this morning because you wanted to come to church smelling clean and looking good, and that's a good thing. But what about your soul? What about your mind? What about your heart? What about your hands? What about your feet? Are they clean? God wants our souls to be clean. Do you know that Daniel, we're talking about a Daniel fast, and I, I, I can't tell you how excited I am about what God wants to do in the next 30 days with prayer and fasting. And if you're going to fast and not pray, you're just on a hunger strike. We need to pray like we've never prayed before. Well, what are we going to pray for? We're going to pray that America finds its moral compass. We have drifted so far. We're going to pray that God restores this nation. He brings it back to values and morality and unity, that it becomes one nation under one God, indivisible. That's, that's always been Satan's plan. Let me give you a math lesson, just a little side note. <clears throat> Both God and Satan believe in, in math. Satan believes in division so that he can introduce subtraction. God believes in addition so that he can multiply. Which side are you going to get on on this? Don't let him divide you from your brother and your sister, from your pastor and the saints. What? Don't you understand what he's doing? He's coming because he wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Don't let him stay in the word. Okay, I, I'm, I'm gonna let, give it, I'm unloading the wagon here today. The, we cannot be 10 o'clock Christians. The only time I go to church, 10 o'clock on Sunday, I don't read my Bible, I don't pray, I don't seek God, I, I just go to church and, and I, I go on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. That ain't a, I'm just, a bad word. That isn't enough. I cannot eat one meal a week. I love to eat. I pray you get an appetite for the word of God that says I can't get enough of it. I'm going to read it every chance I get. I'm going to pray it every chance I get. I'm going to hear it every chance I get because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So every time the house of God is open and every time the word of God is preached, it's an opportunity for me to be washed and to increase my faith and to draw closer to God and become a stronger Christian. That's why we're going to have prayer meetings every Monday and every Friday. That's why we have a midweek service. That's why we have prayer meetings on Sunday morning or teaching at, at 9.15. Man, you, you need to get all you can of the word of God. You need to wash in the word. Wash in the word, not in the wine. Let me show you an example. The best example I could find in the scripture of a man who felt like a failure was David. Excuse me. <clears throat> he made the mistake one day of not going into battle and he stayed behind and ended up in sin. He ended up in the sin of adultery and had her husband murdered. I'm just saying it plain. But conviction Conviction is a good thing. I said conviction is a good thing. If you, let me, this is Brother Kylie, you don't have to make it a part of the apostolic doctrine, but I will tell you this. 
I believe that the whole, one of the things that the, Holy, that the Holy Ghost is in my life is a glorified conscience. Do you remember when you were a little boy and you did something wrong and you were worried you were going to get caught? The reason you were afraid was because you had a conscience. Now when you get older, I hope you can keep your conscience, but when you receive the Holy Ghost, it's going to get worse. The Spirit of God is going to try and warn you about situations that you're walking into, things that you shouldn't be involved in, things you shouldn't listen to, things you shouldn't watch, things you shouldn't talk about. The Spirit of God is going to do that. It's going to bring you conviction if you ignore the warning. And the goodness of God is going to lead you to repentance. That's all because of conviction. Rick, Rick. Yes? You're about to do the wrong thing. Walk away now. Don't go there. Shut that off. Don't keep that appointment. What is that? That's God warning you. Rick, you listened to something you shouldn't have listened to. You need to repent. You need to confess that. You need to ask for my forgiveness. You need to ask for my help. What is that? Conviction. I said this to our prayer warriors today before we began. In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Ghost was poured out for the first time, what a powerful time that must have been. Will you let me preach today and forget about the clock? Because I don't want... I promise, I... I won't keep you long, but I just got this in my heart and, I, and you need to hear it. So God pours out his spirit. 500 people were invited, 380 did not show up, and 120 were in the upper room. And they got what God promised. Not everybody that hears is going to respond. And not everybody that responds is going to stay. So just determine that you're staying no matter what anybody else does. As for me and those I can influence, my house, we will serve the Lord. And if you want to walk out of this church, if you want to vacate row number two, we'll try and do everything we can to help you. But if you want to go, you're going to have to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's on you. That's not on us. I will not accept responsibility for your actions. And if the only reason you were coming to church was because you wanted to please the pastor, that ain't going to last. But if you're here because you came to worship, here I am to worship, that's what we sang. If that's really why you're here, if you're here because you love the word of God and you want to be washed in it, you want to stay strong in it, you want to be used of God, you won't be able to be pulled out of here. There ain't anybody that can separate you from the love of God. Not a man, not a beast, not a false doctrine, not a gossip. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, except you. You get to choose that. So the 120 receive the Holy Ghost. Peter begins to speak in verse 14. When he gets to verse number 36, please, can you please pull up Acts 2, 36? I know I'm messing up our schedule. Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you crucified. How about if I came to you, Brother Zelensky, and I put my bony finger in your chest and I said, you're the only person responsible for crucifying Jesus. Do you think he could be offended by that? That wouldn't sit too well with most of us, would it? But Peter said it. Whom you crucified, Lord in Christ, and when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. And they said unto Peter and the rest of the brethren, men and brethren, what shall we do? What happened? Conviction. Conviction. They didn't deny it. 
They accepted responsibility for their actions because they were convicted under the Holy Spirit. And the conviction did not end there. Conviction was met by mercy and by grace. They wanted to know. And Peter said unto them, repent, admit you're wrong, confess your sin, change your course, ask for forgiveness, and be baptized. You know what that means? Be washed in the water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Who wouldn't want the remission of their sins? It only comes from washing. Well, I just accepted Jesus. That ain't enough. You want remission of sins, you're gonna have to wash in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus. And I can't for the life of me understand why somebody wouldn't wanna do that. Is that too much to ask? And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Wow, there's the power that's lacking in your life. That's why he called it power. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. We need a good washing. Now back to David. I'm sorry for the side note. David, you adulterous murderer. You know what he does when he realizes when the light finally goes on? Psalm 51, 7, purge me. Wow, I like that word. Purge me with hyssop. I will be clean. Wash me. Wash in the water, not in the wine. Wash me and I'll be made whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. I can see him kneeling before God and talking this way. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of my salvation and uphold me with your free spirit. And if you do that for me, Lord, then will I teach. How many teachers do we have in the house today? You're not gonna feel like teaching if you don't feel clean. If you're not washed, if you don't have the joy of your salvation, it's real easy to not teach. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. John 13, here's where I'll stop today. Jesus came to Simon Peter in verse six and said unto him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, what I do, thou knowest not now, but you will know hereafter. No, no, Lord, you're, you're not washing my feet. Well, Peter, it's necessary. Trust me on this one. Look at the repentance of Peter. At first he says in verse eight, you'll never wash my feet. But Jesus said, if I wash you not, you will have no part in me. Wow. If we don't wash in the water, we will wash in the wine. He that believeth, Jesus said, 
and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not, who this is hard, you'll be damned. When Peter hears this, he quickly repents. Lord, not my feet only, but my hands. In my head. You hearing it? Why did he say those two things? Because everything starts here. As a man thinketh, so is he. So Lord, wash my thinking and wash my hands so that I can have clean hands to do what you ask me to do. Wash me in the water so that I don't wash with the wine. Let's stand together. Newspaper, you can't read it from where you are. When I got back from my long, long walk today, I got one news of disappointment. And since I'd already read my Bible, I decided I'd glance at the sports section. Would you like to, to hear what the main headline in the sports section today is? It says, failing to seize opportunities. It shows you the picture of a football player. He is a wide receiver. The ball is very, very close to his face. It is within inches of his face. But his eyes are closed. You can see it in the picture. And his hands are at his side. He is in no position. There's no way he can catch this pass. And the article says, failing to seize opportunities. I have given you an opportunity today. I'm sure you could have found things in this message that will make you mad, but really I've given you an opportunity to wash in the water rather than to wash in the sin of wine. This is your opportunity. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 Verse 9, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. The fornicators, the idolaters, the adulterers, the effeminate, the abusers of themselves with mankind, the thieves or the covetous or the drunkards or the revilers or the extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. They're not getting in. But verse 11, and such were, not are, somebody said amen. It does not say and such are some of you. It says and such were some of you. And it begins with, but you are washed, sanctified, justified, in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God, we need to wash every day. Last thought, then I invite you. We have been called to minister to people that are sick and hurting. In one sense, 
We are like doctors and nurses. We minister to the needs of people. And every doctor and every nurse is required to wash before they meet a patient. And after they leave that surgery or that ministry of that person, they are again required to wash again. Why? Because you don't want to be contaminated from what they had and what you had to do to help them. You wash coming in and you wash going out. And you never take the filth to your home. Never track the filth to your home. Jesus, it's all you. I pray, Lord, I I know I've preached a hard message, but I pray that your conviction will lead to repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance and to washing. Wash us that we might be clean. Purge us that we might be made whiter than snow. Help us to obey your word and seize our opportunity. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.